Welcome to So Dead, a podcast so distasteful it'll make your grandma turn over in her grave. I'm Jen Carpenter. <laughs> and I'm Danny Fairman. Happy True Crime Tuesday. And happy Taco Tuesday all. Hey, Danny. What? Can we talk about something that irritates the shit out of me today? Always. So I have been researching true crime for various projects for several years now, Mm -hmm. and I cannot tell you how many times I have come across a case where a husband killed a wife and then got off on some bullshit manslaughter technicality (laughs) or only served a few years behind bars for whatever reason, then was released to go off and lead a long happy life. And then... To add insult to injury, when the husband dies of old age, all warm and comfy in his bed, his body is buried right next to that of the wife that he killed. That's some fucked up shit. Like, I, can I just tell you? roll over in my grave and haunt the shit out of somebody. I will haunt everyone. I will haunt everyone until the entire town, including the cemetery, is burned to the ground and there are (laughs) flaming corpses in the middle of the road. (laughs) To get away from that motherfucker that killed me. Okay? I mean, that's got to be... I don't know. I feel like that's, like, taboo. You're just asking for hauntings and trouble by doing that. And who makes that decision? I Is mean, it the because family. the plots are bought together? It's either because they were bought together initially or because, for whatever fucking reason, the family forgave the murderer. Um But just so there's no confusion, no one, no woman, no one, no human at all wants to spend eternity buried next to the person that killed them. No, those people should be cremated and then sprinkled on piles of shit. Yes. Right? Or just fed to pigs. Do you know I read that pigs can devour a human body in like eight seconds? They're vicious. Isn't that crazy? Feed them to the pigs. I know people who have pet pigs. No. I mean, they're cute when they're they're tiny, but no. No, thank you. They're going to eat you. No, thanks. If you don't eat it. Ugh. <laughs> and I don't like bacon, so I'd really be screwed. Oh, that's a sad story. <laughs> I know. Oh, that just broke my heart a little. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> okay. So I've got a story about a guy who is buried next to the person he killed. Can you tell it to me, please, Danny? Okay. So the guy's name is John Emil List. John who? Emil. Emil? Emil. Emil? Emil? I think Emil? it's Emil. No, it's Emil. Don't you remember the restaurant in Lansing? Emils. 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 <laughs> no. It's Emils. Stop it. Is it? Let's move on. We Why am this I the worst time? at this? This my entire life I've been calling it Emils. It's Emils. Emils? Yeah, my dad painted the uh all right, well, we're going to restart this. We're not redoing. Oh no, no, we we're not restarting this. You we're keep not talking edit about that emo. Out. No, no, Ew. keep talking about emo. John Amel. <laughs> then put a fucking a there. I hate the English language sometimes. I don't think it's English. I think it's Italian. That too. <laughs> anyway, well, it's the English language that makes me say it wrong. So, picture it, Bay City. Michigan, okay. 1925, September 17th. We've got John Frederick List and Alma Florence List. They have just welcomed their new baby boy, John Amel List. 
Are they happy about this John Amel list? I think, you know, I mean, everybody's happy to have a baby boy. Who's not happy in the 20s? That's what you did. Uh, Everyone. They couldn't drink and everyone smelled. So So you had sex and had kids. Gross. (laughs) (laughs) So he grew up in a good home, though. Um, John did. He was a devout Lutheran. He ended up being a Sunday school teacher. He served in the army during World War II. I can't even say that. Yeah, you got it's a tongue it. Tongue twister. Thanks. Amal, World War II. You know, it's all the same. <laughs> um. So after his discharge, he enrolled at the University of Michigan, oh, which is the that breeding ground. School. It's the breeding ground for all killers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. I actually know some brilliant, wonderful people that went there. But how many people have they killed? <sighs> None, I hope. Okay. I don't want to think my anybody I'm associated with is murdered. Oh, I... Well, murdered or a murderer? I would love to find out that I know a murderer. I thought you were going to say I <laughs> murdered someone. You never can tell. <laughs> I'm like, that's a new story. Let's stop this now and tell yours. Let's talk about that. Um, okay, so he went to U of M. He earned his bachelor's in business administration and a master's in accounting. And by 1950, he was recalled back to the military and he served in the Korean War. While he was, okay, I'm going to say this wrong. I know it. While he was at Fort Eustis in Virginia. I think that's right. I think it is too, but who fucking knows? Um, Eustis. Eustis. He knows. He does. Um, He met. A widow, and her name was Helen Taylor. She lived nearby with her daughter, Brenda. Um, He and Helen got close. They married in 1951. They ended up moving to Northern California, where he worked as an army accountant. That sounds so fun. Super fun. Boring life as fuck. Um, After serving his tour until 1952, so just a year later, they ended up moving back to the Detroit area. So back to Michigan, they came. Um, He took a job at an accounting firm, of course, because he's an accountant. And then he kind of job hopped. So Between accounting firm to accounting firm? Yeah, I get the gist that he was just losing his job. Like he just was a real shitty employee. Um, They moved to Kalamazoo and he worked as an accountant for a paper company. And that's where they had their children, Patricia, John, and Frederick. Patricia, John, or are Patricia Patricia, and John? comma, John. Patricia, comma, comma. John. Yeah, okay. they're three different people. Okay. Patricia and John and Frederick. So John Jr. Okay. JJ. JJ. So John Amel List continued to job hop for the next several years. He finally settled in Jersey City in New Jersey, and that is where they bought a 19-room Victorian mansion. 19 fucking rooms for three kids? Mm -hmm. Did everybody get, what was that, four rooms apiece? Yeah. Four, four, you pick these four over here. Right. Well, and his mother lived with them at this point, too. She had, like, her own quarters. Oh, that's nice of him to take his mommy and his Super nice. He was such a nice giving guy. Such a Such a giver. I see you, Emil. Amel. <laughs> um, so this was in the 60s. By 1970, 71-ish, 
Helen, his wife, had become an alcoholic. Oh, boo. And she would boldly talk shit about Jen and how he sucked in bed. And her I first mean, husband like was amazing. like in a amazing. bad way? Or yeah, like he did that not. Could be... He was not good in bed. Okay, okay. Yeah. Her first husband was good and she made sure he and everybody who came to visit knew that. Oh. So John, Amal List, he lost his job. Again? He lost his job again, but they were in some financial distress, so he never told his family. Oh. Um, He would fucking go to the train stop every day and hang out there. Okay. And pretend like he was at work. Oh, that's fucking scary. And then he'd come home. That's really scary. I mean, set aside the fact that now we probably know he's killed somebody. We do? Did he? I mean, (gasps) at some point. Spoiler. Yeah, Spoiler. But, like, that's really a sad story. That is That sad. you would just go and hang out. And I'm not trying to feel bad for him because I don't. How about go on some interviews, dude? <laughs> right. Or did he just get fired so many times that he gave up? Like, oh, guess everyone hates me. Maybe he ran out of places to work. That there can only be so many accounting firms in Jersey City. Or anywhere where Thank you God. could have a 19-room Victorian mansion. Jesus Christ. I mean, how about just live why in a regular he, house? Or why didn't you just hide in one of those rooms? That would be a little <laughs> bit less sad than the train station. Right? Who knows? I don't who, know. Maybe he had know? to get the fuck away. Maybe. I mean, how sad for him. He sucks in bed. He can't keep a job. <laughs> I mean, oh. Oh, my God. He felt shitty about himself. So on November 9th, 1971... While his children were at school, he, sick of her shit, shot his wife in the back oh of the head. Oh, my God. That, I feel like that just escalated real quick. Real quick. like I'm sorry, Helen. Oh. So he then heads up to the attic where the mother, like the in-law quarters are, where his okay. mom lives. Okay. And his mom's going, you know, what's that? What was that noise? Are you guys okay? What's going on? Because she hears the gunshot. Mm-hmm. Nope, everything's fine. I thought you were in distress. Boom, shoots her over the left eye. Oh, so he shot her in the face. Mm-hmm. Okay. So wife Helen, she's dead. Mother is dead. His kids start coming home from school, Patricia and the youngest son, Frederick. Patricia's 16 and Frederick is 13 at the time. They're home from school. I don't It doesn't say anywhere that they found their parents or their mother and their grandmother, but regardless, they joined them and he shot them both in the back of the head with no warning. Like they didn't even oh. see it coming. Like why? Uh, you you got who you wanted to get, mm-hmm. right? Your mean ass mom, your crazy ass wife. Right. Leave the kids alone and just fucking right. go, dude. But people say that Patricia was... Like, I mean, this was a very devout Lutheran man. She did not want to practice religion with him. She, it's said that she had, was like a Wiccan. Oh. And she wanted to go to Hollywood. She wanted to be an actress. Well, she was definitely veering away from the path that he had envisioned for her. So he was disappointed in his family. And what did he envision for himself? Because I'm pretty sure murder is against. Maybe being good in bed. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so uncomfortable right now. I know. All right. We're not going to talk about that Let's anymore. Go. So he kills half his family or his whole family almost. And then. Well, let's let's percentage it out. 
90%. He's okay. got one kid one left. left. All right. And, you know, killing people really drives up the appetite, so he makes himself lunch. Uh, mm-hmm. He goes to the bank. Yeah. floating in the... Ew. Super disgusting. So... He goes to the I bank. I like that that's what bothers us. Not that he's right. just murdered four people. But that there's but a mess that everywhere. M- made a sandwich. I wonder what kind of... I wonder if it was like a meat sandwich. Oh! I hope it... No. <laughs> like peanut butter and jelly? Fried egg. Pastrami? Gross. Or the prosciutto? I just want to hope that it was one like of those flesh. shitty lettuce and cheese and mayonnaise right. sandwiches. Right. That's all they you were get. poor. That was all they could afford. Right. No, they were in a mansion. Oh, he had a nice tuna fucking sandwich. Gross. Anyway, Not the tuna, the guy. Right. Um. So he goes to the bank and he shuts out his accounts and then his mother's accounts. Gets all the money from those. Um. Then he heads off to his his other son John to his soccer game. He goes watches him play soccer. Takes him home, tries to kill him. He fights back. Oh my gosh. Shoots him multiple times. Oh. In the chest fucker. and the face. So he was facing him. Hmm. Horrible. Disgusting. Um, he won he shot him until he knew he was dead, is what he later says. So now everyone's dead. He cleans up the mess, takes his wife and his kids to the fucking ballroom in this mansion. They have a ballroom. They have a ballroom. I mean, it's a mansion. Maybe you rent out your ballroom, you fuck, so you can buy something besides lettuce and cheese sandwiches. <laughs> right. right. Uh, so this was all for the sake of money, too. Of which, course it was. Right. Insane. Um, he did not take his mother to the ballroom, though, because she was apparently too heavy to drag down from the attic. What? <laughs> So, not only did you kill your mom by shooting her in the face, but now she's you just too leave fat. Her. You just yeah. leave her. Okay. Get it. So then he goes around then. to the house and he cuts himself out of all of the pictures in the house. That's fucking creepy. It sounds so creepy, but there's a reason. Because he was ugly as shit. No, he did not want the police to have pictures of him. Okay. Yep. So, so kind of, there's some brilliance behind yeah, it. That you makes know, sense. smart dude. Um, so he cuts himself out of all the pictures and he calls and cancels the milk service. Um, newspaper calls school to let them know that they'll be out of town for a while. They're visiting a relative in a nearby state. And then, you know, I mean, that just throws everybody off his trail. So he planned all of this. There was Mm -hmm. all of the thought in the world. This wasn't something where Helen made some shit comment and, oh, guess I got to kill them all. Yep. He, he planned this. Yeah. Okay. This was premeditated for okay. sure. Um, so nobody was on his trail. Uh, almost a month later, the neighbors started to alert the authorities because the lights started going out in the house. A month, an entire a month. month. December and nobody 7th. realized they were missing. Mm-hmm. So authorities do the welfare check and they find the members of the family. And um, he's believed... To have left the home, flown to Michigan. Oh, John, we don't want you. We don't want you, which is fine. He didn't stay because then he flew out to Denver. In Denver, he meets and marries Dolores Miller, but he's under the name Bob Clark. Bob Clark. Did that not raise flags? What's your name? Bob Clark. 
I mean, that's the most. It's the most common name. name but I've what's ever funny heard. is he took this name from a previous classmate. Oh, okay. So you know, it's a name that really exists. Yeah, but it is so like so common. How boring. Um, so in 1988, they moved from Denver to Virginia. And then in 1989, this show called Unsolved Mysteries. Oh my gosh. Airs. Robert Stack was my jam. Yeah. That's one of those shows to this day. I still cannot watch while I'm laying in bed. No. I will have nightmares. The theme song alone. Oh, it's so scary. It, it's panic inducing. And people wonder why all of us uh, mothers that were raised in the eighties were, Completely are completely neurotic now as mothers and don't let our children out of our sight. Because of that show. We're helicopter parents. Because we grew up watching Rescue 911 and That's Unsolved right. Mysteries and America's Most Wanted. And we know how fucked we are up learning people from can be. All these John lists in the world. Oh my gosh. Um, so his story airs. And he is sitting with his new wife. Oh my gosh. Watching the show. Watching himself on Unsolved Mysteries. Watching himself, and there she is watching him, too. However, she does not put two and two together. Do you think and she turn didn't? Or that know. she did and, and... was just scared out of her mind? Right. Like, while well, he killed them, maybe he'll kill me, too. Or was just in straight-up denial, like... Yeah, you'd have to be in denial. But like, when he's you're not watching that, bed, but... You mean, when you're watching that, you don't expect, oh... I True. know that person. Like, it's always so oh, removed no, at somebody else. I always did. I always thought I that always I was going to know. Too. <laughs> I did too. That's one of my... But I think that's what makes us a little great, weird. Maybe. That's one of my great disappointments in life, that I was you never, never able to call into the tip line for Unsolved Mysteries or I'm America's Most I'm kind of with you on that. I really always wanted to be the hero in solving a crime. Actually, I just lied to you. I did call in on the tip line Stop. on America's Most Wanted once. But that's another episode. No, I've got to know. No, it's another right. episode. We'll talk about it. Oh, my God, it. that's amazing. Um, so she did not call in and report him. However, one of their neighbors from Denver, where they had just moved away from, recognized him, called the tip line, said, hey, that's Bob Clark. Oh, man. They found him. And then they had and to they go through him. the list of five how many, million Bob Clarks how many in the Bob United Clarks States. There were in 1989. Oh man! So he's arrested, um, and he was convicted of five counts of first degree murder on April 12th in 1990. He actually ended up dying in prison from complications of pneumonia on March 21st in 2008. His body went unclaimed for quite a while. Like I can't months. imagine. Well, because he killed everybody. Right. There's nobody left Who's to come get him? him. His new wife. She didn't want that shit. <laughs> well, she, she actually divorced him. Good. Like, if you look at the records, you'll see in 1989, she divorced him. Good. So good, good for, for her. her. Um, but he was finally claimed. Nobody knows by who. Oh. But. Then he was reportedly buried in St. Lawrence Lutheran Cemetery in Frankenmuth next to his mother, Alma West. And Frankenmuth, for those of you not familiar, is in Michigan. They've got some water parks, a round year-round Christmas Mm -hmm. store. Oh my gosh, that's got to be your dream, Bronner's, huh? Danny loves Christmas. I love Christmas. Danny loves Christmas like I love tacos. Uh Uh-huh. Christmas is my Christmas is her taco. It is my taco. (laughs) (laughs) Christmas is my taco. So that is the story of John Emil or Emil 
list. Cool. Like, why? The, just leave him. Why claim him and then bury him next to his mother? He murdered her. Right. And then was like, yeah, I shot you and you're fat. And now he's next to her for eternity. What the, like, right. what like, the fuck? Why, why were you not put in a pine box? Or why were you just not cremated and fed to the pigs? I'm telling you. Right. Right. You can see interviews. He did like an interview with Connie Chung. And you can find those interviews and he talks about why he did what he did. And it's always their fault. Right. Like there's really no accountability at Ugh, all to it. Fuck that guy. I know. It makes me sick. So that's John Les. And side note on this one, again, if you're from this area, you have a connection to somebody. There's like seven degrees of separation around here. So one of my good friends was watching Unsolved Mysteries in, in 1989. With her two friends, who happened to have the last name List. <gasps> no. They were watching, and they go, oh, my God, that's Uncle John. Oh, no. Did they know that he was a murderer on the run? I mean, they had to. They had to have known, because the rest of their like their cousins were, were dead. dead. Oh, my God. Can you imagine that, though? No. I guess it was like one of those things they just knew in the family, and were like, yeah. That's crazy. Fuck you, John List. John Emo List. Emo. See, Emo. you're so shitty, you don't deserve to have your name said the right way. No. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, god damn it, you guys. I have been referring to this as Unsolved Mysteries. It's not. That's not where he was featured. He was featured on America's Most Wanted. I think you're right. Oops. So equally, like, amazing badass shows, but they are not the same. And easy to get them confused. Both terrifying as shit when we were kids watching them. Right. But so, oops. So anyway. America's Most Wanted. America's Most Wanted. Got it. All right. So my story for today is about a piece of shit by the name of <laughs> William Lonsberry. <laughs> William was born in Victory, New York in 1849. When he was 19, he married his sweetheart, Sarah, as one did at the age of 19 in the 1800s. Uh, and the young couple moved to Michigan around 1870. They settled in a small community just northwest of Lansing called Wacusta, which is actually where I live. Uh, now, it, it's not even a town. It's more like just a big neighborhood. Mm -hmm. There are about 1,400 residents in Wacusta now. So uh, really? in the 1800s, there were probably like 20. And the Lonsberries made up over half of that number because they had nine children. Oh, my God. Uh, they lost three of those children at young ages to various illnesses, um, as as often happened back, yep, then. back then. And the children were all buried at the cemetery in Wacusta. Uh, after some years, Sarah's father, who was said to be pretty well off, purchased a farm for his daughter and her husband in the village of Diamonddale, which is just about 15 miles south of Wacusta. Fun fact, uh, I not only live in Wacusta, but I actually work in Diamonddale. That is about a 20-minute drive for me on the highway. Mm -hmm. I am not sure what that equates to in horse and buggy hours. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I'm guessing they didn't come back a whole lot once they made their way there. Uh, the Lonsbury's first house on their new property was little more than a stone shack, but they had 80 acres of farmland, so the mm -hmm. property was actually worth quite a bit of money. Uh, out of caution and to protect his investment, Sarah's father, who bought the property, had the deed to the land put in her name only uh, and left William off of the deed completely. Hmm. And so that deed became a major point of contention in the marriage. Some say it's actually what eventually drove William insane. 
The Lansbury family mostly kept to themselves. They didn't have a lot of friends. Uh, They didn't fucking need them because they had nine children. (laughs) (laughs) They made a good living farming, and they eventually built a much larger house on the property. Once their children had all grown up and moved away, they brought William's elderly mother to live with them. They moved her into the stone shack that had been their first home on the property, and then they stayed in the larger house. Um, Okay. So she had a bit of privacy, and they had a bit of privacy, but they were all on the same property, and she was easier to take care of. Right. Uh, The three of them lived in relative seclusion together for several years. Uh, Their only visitor was often the Lansbury's son, Herman, who had a farm that was right next door to theirs. So William and Sarah had a very tumultuous and sometimes violent relationship. It was not uncommon for Sarah to leave for weeks at a time and go stay with friends or relatives out of state. Uh, So nobody thought much of it when she just up and disappeared on New Year's Day in 1905. But this time, she didn't come back. After a few weeks passed, the kids started asking questions. William told them that she'd left and run away to Canada. And they all just (laughs) believed him, like... Okay, so this woman right. who devoted half a century to raising us just, just up gonna and left the country go. without saying a word. Right. Like she couldn't send a letter or a, what did they have back then? A, a telegram or a right. carrier <laughs> pigeon? Like shoot a pigeon my way. That was that, Those were the tweets. That's where that, get it? That's, That's where, where that, that came comes from. from. That's send funny. him a tweet, Sarah. But no, she was just gone. Um Two of her sons, though, didn't quite buy the story. They didn't believe that she would do that, that she would leave. Smarties. Um, it was her son from a previous marriage. Oh. She was a little bit older than William. And then their youngest son together. So her oldest okay. and her youngest son were like, uh-uh, no, not buying it. Something's, something's wrong here. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the children sided with their father and they believed him and so it caused a huge rift in the family um which just made her disappearance that much easier to overlook because now nobody's speaking to each other so now nobody's talking about the fact that mom is fucking missing for six years, nobody six years. heard anything about Sarah Lansbury. And then one hot July day, an Eaton County Sheriff's deputy on patrol came across a frail little old woman wandering the streets very distraught. It was Mary Lansbury, William's mother. She was so upset that rather than take her to the police station, he took her back to his house where things were quiet and more peaceful. His wife made her a cup of tea, helped her calm down, and then eventually Mary told him a story that would quickly make headlines around the country. So according to Mary, New Year's Day 1905 was a particularly tense one in the Lonsbury home. They were all out in Mary's little shack, and William and Sarah were fighting over the deed to the property as they did often. To him, it was an embarrassment. Uh, He had nothing. It was all in his wife's name. It was a matter of pride. Uh, It was his farm, even though he didn't pay for it, and he wanted it in his name. So he gave his wife an ultimatum, sign over the deed or he would kill her. Um, can you even, you put that in my name right now, Sarah, or I'll kill you. <laughs> she reacted much the way that I think you or I would to such a threat and said, fuck you, buddy, and turned around <laughs> to leave. Which you did not do back then no, to your husband. No, I mean, I would have. You had but. to obey him. It was part of your vows. Yeah. 
No, no, no. I mean, I'm not telling you I agree with that. Oh. Um, So he flew into a rage. (laughs) He grabbed her from behind. And then he choked her until her eyes bugged out. No. Which is how Mary described it. Once she was unconscious, he tossed her to the ground. She hit her head on a ceramic crack and never regained consciousness. William made no attempt to help her. He just watched her bleed to death on the floor of their old family home while his mother Mary stood by completely helpless. What a piece of shit. Oh, but wait, because it gets worse. Of course it does. Right. Good old Billy. (sighs) Billy. So since Mary had witnessed the murder, William was afraid that she would turn him in. He wrapped Sarah's body in a rug, removed it from the shack, and then without even cleaning up the blood, he locked his mother inside. He nailed one of the doors completely shut, boarded up the windows, and then barred the other door from the outside so that he could get in, but his mother couldn't get out. And then he left her there for the next six years. So not only did the Lonsbury children not worry about the fact that their mother was missing, but they also apparently didn't notice that their grandmother was being held prisoner. She spent day after day in that filthy, blood-stained shack and had no contact with anyone other than William, who she said abused and threatened her daily. That part is so confusing. Like, what the fuck? And these kids, like, when you say the kids... They're adults. They're adults. They're grown. Yep. The Lonsberries are in their 60s at this point. So the children are all adults and have their own children. But especially the son that lived next door. Like, what the hell? Right. What the hell, dude? Like, where's Meemaw? (laughs) Meemaw. (laughs) So one time, William forgot to lock the door from the outside after dropping off supplies and Mary was able to escape. She made her way to a neighboring farm. And when William caught her, he attempted to rip out her tongue from her mouth with his bare hands so that even if she did get away, she couldn't talk. As she's telling this story to the deputy and his wife, um, which she had a a noticeable speech impediment, she Mm. stuck out her tongue and it was severed on both sides a bit. It wasn't completely connected like... Yours or mine. Well, I guess I don't know whether your tongue is fully... Con- yep. Yeah, there it it's is. There. there we go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> For the record, um, I just showed Jen my tongue. <laughs> so when the neighbors heard Mary screaming as her son attempted to rip out her tongue, they mm. came outside to see what was going on. He told them that he was just trying to get her back into the house and she was throwing a fit about it. When the neighbors asked why she wasn't allowed to leave the house, William said that it was because she told such awful stories. <laughs> oh, you mean like how you're a fucking psychopath who murdered your wife and is holding your mother prisoner? Like those kinds of After awful stories? After you ripped out her tongue? Jesus. That is so... The next time Mary managed to escape, she was saved by the sheriff's deputy before William even knew she was missing. The deputy and his wife kept Mary at their home with them to keep her safe and kept her heavily guarded while they tracked William down and arrested him. He insisted he was innocent and stuck with the story that his wife had simply left him and moved to Canada. And his children still believed him. They said that their grandmother was insane and couldn't be trusted, (laughs) even though she bore so many physical, invisible scars from the years of abuse at the hands of her son. That's sad. Even after they saw the blood-stained floor of the shack where their mother was murdered with their own eyes, they still believed him. 
And even after it was revealed that the only other two possible witnesses to the murder, the Lonsbury's next-door neighbors, died in a suspicious accident shortly after Sarah's disappearance when their boat capsized in the Grand River while passing by the Lonsbury property. Hmm. But then the police found the body. Over six years after she disappeared, Sarah Lonsbury's body was found encased in lime, buried just two feet underground in the family's sheep shed. Hmm. And not like... In the back corner of the shed. Um, no, she was right inside the fucking doors. So that William and his son Herman, that helped him on the farm, even though he didn't notice that his mother and grandmother were missing, <laughs> um, they walked across that shitty grave every single day, multiple times a day, while they tended to their sheep. Ugh. Sarah's remains were buried at the cemetery in Wacousta beside her three children that had died in their youth. William Lonsbury was convicted of murder and sentenced to life in prison. The case was sensationalized in the media, and William became known as the Diamonddale Murderer and the Windsor Wife Killer. <laughs> but still, his sons stood by him. Of course they did. Even once they had to admit that, yes, their father had killed their mother, they basically said that she must have deserved it, otherwise <gasps> he wouldn't have done it. Fuck you. One of them even called her a she-tiger in a local newspaper interview. A she-tiger? A she-tiger. I'm not going to lie. Like, that's that's that one of my life goals. Like, <laughs> in my that obituary. Like amazing. In my, on my headstone, that's what I want. You she want tiger. she-tiger? Yeah. Wife, mother, she-tiger. She I agree. I mean, that's like a compliment these days. I hope you were a she-tiger, Mary. That's right. Not Mary. Mary no. was a she-tiger. Sarah. I hope Sarah. you were a she-tiger, Sarah. <laughs> Fuck. So after the trial, Mary Lonsbury was sent to live with the very same grandchildren that had called her insane, didn't notice when she disappeared for six years, and then blamed her for their father's arrest. <laughs> and guess what happened once she went to live with them? She was killed. She died within just a few months under suspicious circumstances. Of course. Before the police could even arrive to investigate, she'd been embalmed and prepped for burial, Stop. erasing any evidence of foul play. Twenty <laughs> years after he murdered his wife, William Lonsbury died. And then, true to form, his awful children buried him right beside Sarah in the family plot at Wacousta Cemetery. Because, of course, they did. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is why some parents eat their young. It's so gross. It's fucked up. I mean, I'm serious. <laughs> Don't do it, guys. If I get murdered, do not bury me next to my murderer. Do not do it. Like, you had a shitty life, and now you have to spend eternity next to the i mean you know, you know it's there's so many other options these days anyway i kind of right. want to be a tree you know one of those spooky ass cremated like a willow tree? trees i know yeah. i've seen those and then when it grows it'll grow like a face and people will think the face is looking at like, them it's jen it's jen the jen tree <laughs> the she tiger tree <laughs> the she tiger we're doing it we're doing it <laughs> All right, well, oh thank God. you guys so much again for making us part of your day. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at So Dead Podcast. And you can also find us online at SoDeadPodcast.com. Hey, if you've got any good stories or you got feedback for us, you can email them directly to SoDeadPodcast at gmail.com. Goodbye forever. Have a very nice life. 